Oh, hi. It's me, Greg Miller from PSI Love You XOXO. And if you're watching the YouTube version, you can see that I'm wearing my suit from Indochino.com. We've talked about this before. A few weeks ago, we went down to their store. They measure you and make you a suit made to order. Look at me in the suit coat. All right, look at this. Look how good I look. I have a waist. It's crazy. And then on the inside, look at this. I got the cool lining and I had to put my Twitter handle on there, at GameOverGreggy. So whenever this jacket gets stolen from me on the streets of San Francisco, someone will be able to tweet at me if they have it. Um, the Indochino idea is pretty cool. You go in there, suits made to order. They build it out. It looks good on you. It looks really good on you. Well, me. I don't know how it's going to look on you. I assume it'll look good on you. Of course, today, you guys can go and get any premium suit for just $3.99. That's up to 50% off at Indochino.com when entering XOXO at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. There's no reason not to try your first custom-made suit with a deal this good. That's Indochino.com, promo code XOXO for any premium suit for just $3.99 and free shipping. Indochino, your look, your way. Put your Twitter handle in there. What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO, episode 53. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here with you today. It's good to be here with you today. Mm. I like the red. I like the red and the black. We got this motif going on. It's looking good over here today. How you been, Colin? I'm okay. How are are you? you? I'm good. What have you been playing? Not much. Uh, Bioshock, primarily. Ah, how far are you now into this collection? Oh, not very far. Uh, Did you beat Minerva's Den yet? No, that's uh, the next game. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I was here in the collection. I yeah. don't know anymore. When you say Bioshock, you could be anywhere. No, no, I'm playing the original games. Bioshock. Uh, I, no, I enjoy it. It's good to be back. It, it reminds me of uh, how good that game really is, how fantastic, yeah. almost like perfect that game is. I think it's really held up. Even graphically, it's a little wonky. Um, control scheme, unmappable, so it's a little strange to jump with triangle, for instance. Sure. To, um, but do you, you know, think part of that is, the fa- I mean, is, does it get a pass on that to an extent because of the fact that that's not what that game's really about? Yeah, it's no, it, about do, it does. It's just, it's just, we have, you know, time, I haven't played Bioshock in uh, probably four years. Um, so, uh, yeah, it takes a little getting used to playing it, but I still think it's a fantastic uh, atmospheric special sort of game sure um that's certainly you know far better how does probably this everything i played this year remaster whatever you want to call it how does it hold up i mean does it look really good does it look better is it yeah i think better? it looks a little bit better people on pc are having issues with it um shocking surprise uh, I, pc gaming is so easy i always thought that it would just be so simple but uh yeah oh my god oh, the man. email you just sent me about some game we're getting that i had to like d- get all this what's your mac address like, and your ip you know what? i'm not even fucking interested anymore um but uh, yeah, no, it's it's it holds. I mean, you know, it looks it's nine years old. It looks it looks nine years old. But it, yeah, but uh, that's not really what made the game great. What made the game great was the atmosphere and Andrew Ryan and um, the audio diaries and the, the kind of sordid story of what happened in Rapture with uh, Adam and and uh, and, uh, you know, kind of the the mutations that were going on there. So uh, it's a really, really cool game. I, I, I have to recommend it to people, you know, um, if you've not played Bioshock or want to go back to it, I think the collection's kind of worth. You know, it's one of those collections. We have these all these collections that don't need to exist. Um, sure. You know, we especially early on when we saw like Tomb Raider and even The Last of Us. It's like, why is this here? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but by, it's been a long enough time between Bioshock and puts all the games together that I think it's a it's a cool little thing. Yeah, what I'm excited for, I'm not going to, I doubt I'll replay Bioshock 1. I'm just not a big fan of replaying stuff. Love Bioshock, don't get me wrong. But I never did play Minerva's Den, the DLC for Bioshock 2 that's from Steve Gaynor that everybody always talks about being the best piece of DLC that's ever happened for any game. And you can play it outside of the context of it. So I'm, like, oh, I'm, gonna yeah, I'm, gonna go, I'm going in order. It's very slowly. I'm playing... Uh, no Vita Chambers uh, on the hardest difficulty level. Yeah, I played them on PS3, so I'll just do it again on PS4 yeah. and then uh, move on to 2, and which has a kind of a reworked trophy list and then uh, do the DLC for both and and then maybe move on to Infinite. There's just nothing coming mm. out um, until maybe Mafia that I even really care about. Uh, you're so, forgetting about <clears throat> Lego Dimensions Year 2 content drops. No, definitely not. You didn't forget definitely that one? not forgetting about no? that. Uh, you so, want to play the Ghostbusters level from the no, Ghostbusters movie? Not, not yeah, you can redo bit. the portal. Colin, you redo the portal. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I don't. You redo the portal. Uh, so I no. So I mean, I have time to kind of burn. Should I? Sure. But I, I'm also in one of these movies. Football started and it's occupying. You know, three nights a That's week. That's what it'll one do that day for you. One, one entire day for you is that occupied. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, so it's like I'm just kind of trying to you know do some other things as well other than playing games. But uh, Bioshock certainly came at the right time, and I'm I'm, sure. I'm super uh, interested to see how it resonates. You know, I've, I've been getting tweets and whatnot about. Um, people picking it up that have never played it the first time. I'm interested to see what everyone thinks about it and if it holds up as well as I think it does. Um, thematically and from a story standpoint, I think it's really quite quite a pertinent game and um, a strange game. And, uh, you know, I love Andrew Ryan's little little uh, speech in the beginning when the bathosphere is going down to rapture and stuff. It's, it's really, really sets the stage beautifully for the game and uh, about a libertarian paradise gone, you know, run amok and, and uh, by an Ayn Rand kind of... Yeah you know, fucked up Ayn Rand shit going on there and stuff like that, which surprised people because I like Ayn Rand, but everyone's like, well, why would you like it? I'm like, well, because it's cool. It's fun. It doesn't. Do you mean- feel like it's a weird fall? I feel like I'm, I'm with you in the fact I'm looking forward to Mafia 3. I think the game I might be most excited for this fall because I'm on the list of excited things. Mafia 3, Gears of War, sure. Mm-hmm. But the thing I think I'm most excited to play for some reason, again, after I just told you I don't like playing stuff again, is Rise of the Tomb Raider because now I can finally get the Platinum in Rise of the Tomb Raider. I like the I never played their story DLC. I never, I, you know, they have the new Blood Ties, the Manor and all this jazz. Like, yeah, that's for some reason. Actually, I keep thinking more and more about it's going to be fun to go back to that world. It's going to be fun to 100% that world. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, th- I mean, I am looking forward to, uh, to uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider I never because I never played it. But there's nothing coming out this fall. Even Battlefield 1 I'm looking forward to. But there's nothing coming out that's like really... You can't I'm wait like for. I'm like super excited about. Like the games that I'm like really, really, really stoked about, like uh, Horizon, for instance, yeah. are, are next year. And it really just heightens what, what Andrew and I talked about last week on the podcast, which is like, man, like Sony has nothing mm. again. Yeah, you know, like yeah. again, there's nothing. Last Guardian, man, it's still coming. It'll still be there. Yeah, whatever. Like, I'm reading some interesting stuff about the Last Guardian. Some previews. I've not gone hands on with it. Um, there was one thing where it's like it looks or it feels like a PlayStation Two game, wonky yeah. camera game that's certainly been gestating for a long time. I have I have very little faith that that game is going to meet expectations. And then Gravity Rush Two comes out um, four days later, and uh, so there are two games, neither of which are temples. Yeah, because they don't have one. Uh, come out after Black Friday in December, kind of shitting out to die. But maybe it, maybe it doesn't Japanese. matter. So so I, I I feel like a lot of the things that I'm looking forward to. You know, I was I was I was writing a a, um, a thing recently that for a video we're gonna do. And I was kind of doing a little bit of research, and it's just like, man, Sony's first party production is just so low right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you look into the future, the games look great from first and second party, but it's just like, where are the games um, that that give your your console a proprietary sort of ecosystem that that sets it apart and then draw and then it begs the question with playstation 4 success does it even matter right um 
but yeah, I, the point is, is that there's some smaller games that I'm looking forward to playing. Um, but that's and, the thing and, is, I and feel some like big games. But I, I, I feel, yeah, I feel like this fall is bad. And I feel like to an extent, last fall was as well. I don't. I guess it's just weird that I felt like if you go back two, three years, I feel like we get to the fall and it's triple A release after triple A release. Every week there's something I'm excited about. You're excited about. There's a game we're really into. Whereas this year, I feel like, and last year to that extent too. Like there was th- last year, you look back. Sure, we had had Metal Gear. That was great. I I loved Lego. There was different things happening, and then there were the you know not glut of fall releases, but there were things that came out that were triple A, but not as many. And this year feels exactly the same way, where it's like Mafia for you and I, just because we like that series. We like open world, you know, story based narratives. And then what comes after that? Like, yeah, Mafia. To, to you know, we were at GameStop Expo and. To the point of that game, like Mafia does look fantastic, and we'll get into it because the trophies leaked um, on PSN profiles. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Maybe we're missing something because I'm going to play the Call of Duty campaign. I want to play Battlefield One. I mean, but these aren't games I'm like chomping clamoring for. I will say though, you know, seeing Battlefield One game looks awesome. Yeah, um, really interested to see how Dice overcame the inherent design challenges of making a game in World War One. And I'm with you um, on the same thing for Call of Duty. Right here we go. The guys from Naughty Dog are out there giving you a single player story experience in a first person shooter. What does that look like? What does that play like? How does that go? Yeah. Like, okay. So but I, I'm honestly looking way more forward to just having time. I, I mean, we're forgetting Final Fantasy's coming out. Um, other games Is like it? that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, but these are Final Fantasy 15. Like, I don't if Final Fantasy 15 never came out. I don't even think I care. So it's it's. Are you gonna try it though? I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if everyone was like Final Fantasy 15 is canceled, I'd be like, well, that's all right. That's probably that's fine. Tim cries. Um, just dead. So I I agree with you that this falls a little suspect, but I also agree with you that maybe the, things are changing. It seems like we're gonna get a lot of Q1 and Q2 games, um, and that's great. Uh, but yeah, Horizon's still like the really big kind of game yeah. that I'm looking forward to. And I, but I am looking forward to this kind of de- this this death uh, or. Um, this that's this dearth of games coming out um, now because I, I it gives me time to go back and play things like the Bioshock. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. Bioshock collection, which I'm like really quite looking forward to, to, to you know delving deeper into. I just haven't had much time to do that. So now, before we get into the show proper, I feel it'd be a disservice to the YouTube audience to not address the fact that one of your hands has fingernails painted black and the other hand does not. Yeah. Because you keep I, you brought it up, you kind of look like Frankenstein or like you got electrocuted. What's the story there? Oh, uh, Aaron and I were watching a documentary, the uh, Citizen Four, and it about? Uh, it's about Edward Snowden. It's a great oh, documentary. Okay, and uh, Aaron, uh, you know, likes to talk a lot sometimes. So she was like, <laughs> "If I can, if I if I can paint your hand, uh, you know, your nails, then I won't talk during the documentary." And I was like, "Fine." And of course, she didn't hold up her end of the bargain, but nonetheless, here are. My hands and, and and it brought us back because frankly I used to paint my nails when I was in college. Dude, do we have the overhead cam? Do you want to throw them out there for the over? Throw them out for the overhead cam there for the YouTube viewing audience. There you go. There it is. Now I just See why it. why didn't you just go full on though and do both? Because she was sitting at my, at my right and it was uh, the whole thing. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I used to actually paint my nails sometimes in college just for sure. no reason. Good really. Charlotte. Not even that. I was just like because I didn't I didn't dress like that. I dressed like it. You know, like the like norm, this. Like norm, you dre- yeah, yeah, you look but, like this. Yeah, basically. So I I, uh, I just always liked it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Sure. It's like the guys that it's like the Jared Leto like thirty seconds to Mars kind of like eye look or whatever where they pull out eye makeup on. Oh, I like, eyeshadow. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, would, I never I never really did that, but I would have because I think it looks. cool. I can't get that close to my eye. I can't do it. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is PSI. Love you, XOXO. It is kind of funny.com's PlayStation podcast. It is the number one PlayStation podcast on the Internet, and it posts rain or shine every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. So go 
to kindoffunny.com. Subscribe to both of the YouTube channels. Back all the other shows. Watch things. Support us on Patreon. And have a good old time. Colin, mm. let's begin the show with what is and forever will be Roper's Report. Time for some singular possessive news. There are 11 items on the list. A baker's dozen. Uh, I also want to take a moment to thank. Uh, I was uh, we, we our fan base does this thing called hashtag. Yeah. P.S. We love you XOXO, which is usually aimed at our developer friends, our friends in the media, etc. and so on. It all started they, from that time Jason Schreier got death threats. I made an offhand right. comment while we were doing P.S. I love you XOXO that everybody needed to go send him good vibes. And the audience ran with it without any input from us and started this hashtag where they go after a developer and a media person. And uh, people had directed that at me uh, after the last two episodes, and I appreciate that. It's not unnoticed. Thank you. We have a great fan base. A lot of, a lot of that. A lot of... Uh, a lot of emails and personal messages, DMs, even from people in the industry, developers and stuff like that. So I, I, I appreciate and respect you. Uh, thank you for that. I am withdrawing from most public appearances from now on. But I do appreciate but it. But will people notice the difference? <laughs> no. <laughs> Number one. Layoffs have hit two Sony-owned studios. Sony San Diego, the studio behind MLB The Show and Kill Strain and the studio that helped to produce or is currently producing Guns Up and Drawn to Death, has shed approximately 50 jobs. Sony released a statement noting that the teams responsible for creating the show and working on Drawn to Death and Guns Up were not affected. This seems to point towards Kill Strain team as being the casualty, with Noah Watkins, a former member of that team, tweeting out that, quote, our entire team was just laid off, end quote. Our very bus goes out to all those affected there. And then number two is that another Sony-owned studio, Sony London, also experienced layoffs. Particulars on what happened there are not known. It appears, according to GI.biz, that senior staff were among the layoffs and that this was due to redundancies as VR projects the studio are working on are winding down. Our very best goes out to all those affected there as well. So two Sony-owned studios hit with some significant layoffs. San Diego one. San Diego. Interesting, right? They, I wouldn't say it caught us completely off guard. We, you've been asking forever, what's the deal with Killstrain? What's the deal with all these free-to-play games? They're doing that. What does that business model look like? What do you take away from this? It's one of those things where I, I hate to have been right, but I was I called this one a mile away. I don't understand what they're investing in over there. Um, MLB, see, when the, when this news broke, and we had he- heard it from people that we know, bef- you know before anyone was really talking about it, so we were kind of you know figuring it out. The conjecture was that um, it was affecting um, the MLB show and that uh, the MLB uh, the show uh, team and that the entire studio shut down. And when I when I heard that before I even started investigating, I'm like, no, it did. I'm like, there's no way Sony San Diego is not there anymore. Not only because of who works out of there, i.e., Scott Rohde, yeah, but also because uh, the MLB team in nine or ten months turns around a game that charts every single exactly. year. Exactly, MLB and the probably show makes kills. an enormous amount of money, and it's the only so, MLB game going. And it's yeah, awesome. exactly. So this is one of those things where you have to use a little common sense when mm-hmm. like you're you're hearing these rumors. So I started to dig in and and real, I found out who was laid off and what happened, and it was really the Killstrain team um, that was primarily affected. Um, this wasn't a huge surprise. See, the, like. Guns Up is also free to play, but Guns Up wasn't internally developed. It's just being incubated internally, so um, produced in a sort of ex-dev environment. So it's probably a way cheaper investment, and they might be making money on Guns Up for all we know because it's a very simple kind of side-scrolling, real-time strategy, whatever the fuck kind of thing. Tower defense, I don't know how you'd really describe it. Um, MOBA tendencies. Yeah, whatever. And uh, Everything's MOBA tendencies. So... That didn't surprise me. The Killstrain did thing didn't surprise me either because this was internally developed. This was a San Diego project, and this was kind of a test bed for 
um, as we've talked about with the guys there, and to see if the free-to-play model will work on PlayStation. And it works in a limited way with Paragon and some other games, but in a very limited way. Most games that are free-to-play just come and go on console, and Sony invested first-party resources into something that was clearly going to fail. And I said it before, there are multiple ways you could have looked at this. Killstrain, I, I, don't, I can't, I played it, we played it before we've been there. We saw the team, the very nice guys working on the game. Um, but I feel like if you don't believe in your product enough to charge for it, mm. then it probably isn't going to survive very long. And this is what makes me nervous about Drawn to Death, um, which looks phenomenal. And I've, I've heard a lot of good things about. But again, why not just charge nineteen ninety nine for it? I feel why like not just put some money on it? Put, make people put skin in the game. It, it keeps it, it's it's a stickiness to the game. If you don't pay for Kill Strain, then why are you going to keep playing it when you have all these other competitive, frankly, better mobas and other ways to spend your time? It was just clearly going to fail. I appreciate that they needed the data to see to prove yeah. it, but they proved it. And that's the problem, I think, right? Is that this was let's throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Let's see how free to play plays out. No pun intended. And I think you get there and you get the numbers and you see what's happening. You go, okay. Yeah, let's say we are in the black on Kill Strain. We are making money. It's a good venture. How much money are you making? Are you making the same amount of money you make off of releasing a $60 game and keeping people invested, a $19.99 game keeping people invested? No, clearly not. And so that's the thing of like, we wanted to get out there. We wanted to test Sony San Diego. Got to be the incubator for this. They got to be the tip of the sword. Got to see, go out there, learn these lessons and report back to Sony as a whole, every other you know first party developer and explain what they found and what they did. And now you see Sony saying, cool, that's not what we we want to do which does leave a lot of questions for what that means for drawing to death yeah i i, I um you know i was thinking about i was thinking about cliff blazinski today cliff when, B, when, when i was going over the news and and specifically what they're doing um with his shooter lawbreakers um, lawbreakers um he's partnered with a i think a chinese publisher or a korean publisher and originally it was going to be free to play and i think that they saw the writing on the wall and they're like we can't do this and that now they're going to charge for it the free-to-play model is largely a dead end for almost everyone. And this is the same argument I was making in our mobile games argument where people are like, well, there's a lot of money made in the mobile games. I'm like, there are literally 10 games making most of the money in the mobile market. I was reading something where in the mobile market, if you if you literally got rid of half of the apps, which is something like 300,000, that it wouldn't cut, cut the uh, affect the bottom line at all. Mm-hmm. It's not a healthy market. Yeah. When you're not willing to put a price on the game it's not i don't think a healthy thing for the gamer and i don't think it's a healthy thing for the studio or for the development team or the publisher or anyone involved because you don't have a uh, you don't have any skin in the game and since there's no point uh, uh, there's no price point in acts to access the game then why are you ever going to like really give it a, a, a fair shake um Kill Strain, I think, was ill-advised from multiple angles. It's a MOBA when there's way too many MOBAs, it's a reactionary MOBA and it's a console free-to-play game. Just seems like a strange thing for a first party to do when they could have probably looked at the, and garnered third party data and not done that to that team, that very talented team that made the game. But I, I, I also feel like with Drawn the Death, it's the same thing that happened with Killstrain. They showed the game way too often. Yep. They made the game way too accessible. You can no one, and they did it wanna. with guns up. Yeah, if you want to play these games, you can go get into them right now, right? By going to drawntodeath.com, you can go there and get your code and start playing. And it's just like, well, what the, what if I'm interested in that to that extent, why would I then ever care when it's fully released? Yeah, they, they blundered. I think with all three of these games and I don't know where that began and where that ended and what the idea behind it was, but it, it, it you know, I'm not a layman by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not a marketing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fly on the wall in Sony's conference rooms, but I, if, if they asked me to walk in there and give them advice based on what I think, I'd be like, you guys are making a massive mistake. Mm. Drawn to death should be, if you really believe in drawn to death, put it on a goddamn disc. You know, if you really, if you really believe in kill strain charge for it, you know, uh, these games, these small digital games just seem to be shitted out 
with no rhyme or reason to them. Think about Shadow of the Beast came out. No one cared. No one cared. Bound came out by Plastic, a pretty good Polish demo, demo scene studio that gave us the tour and at least thoughtful games. No one seems to care about it. Yeah, there's no uh, marketing dollars to go to to make people understand that this is on the store that you need to go buy and this is why. If you're not a PlayStation fan, if you're not into the PlayStation blog, if you're not going to PSX, right. how do you know about these? The Let Tomorrow alone the Children. fact that you and I, we were talking about this with Guns Up, right? Totally missed the fact that Guns Up was out. We were talking about it as if it was still in beta, and people on this show hit us up like, "No, at PSX they said it was out." And like, oh, well, I was lost on me. Why? Yeah. I mean, and I'm like, oh, I guess I vaguely recall that, but it's like when when I've heard about Guns Up nonstop, and I've seen it at other shows, and I've seen it. Why? Why would I suddenly care if now you come out on one show and you say it's out, out? And and like I said, the Tomorrow Children's the same thing. Like they just, they just that's like, just a weird one all over. They the just place. I'm like the Tomorrow Children. I'm like I care. I don't. I haven't cared about this game in two years. Where is it? it was as I said before, I, I was talking to Q Games in Japan when I was still at IGN about how the game was a few months away. Yeah the hell happened yeah you know like, like there, there's just a lack of communication up and down it's so what happened to the canceled game of santa monica all these kinds of things so you know it all kind of is part and parcel and what i feel like is just somewhat of a mismanagement of first party resources and and um i feel bad that people had to suffer on the vr side it's a little different that the employment rules in england are a little differently with redundancies and all those kinds of things that you have to kind of you're talking about london Huh? You're talking about London. Yeah, yeah. I'm just switching gears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, specifically with London, uh, there's different sort of rules there about, in, you know, in Europe and in England about how people are laid off and all those kinds of things. And th- those redundancies seem to be a little more reasonable, from what I understand. Senior staff was also involved there, from what I understand. But um, the VR projects are over. Sony London, for people that don't know, is a, is a first party studio that really incubates uh, casual games. These are the guys that did like TV superstars and shit like that, you know. But, um, so. It's it's uh, it's a loss nonetheless, but I, I understand that a little bit more. But it, with Sony San Diego, they could have really beefed up multiple teams as they have in the past to make games that are really worthwhile. And if the game failed, if Killstrain failed at a price point, then at least you knew that it was probably the game. Yeah. With this, you don't really have data that's meaningful because you don't know if it's the game that didn't resonate with people or it's just free to play and people that turns people off or they just didn't want microtransactions or you spent too much time developing it. The, the one thing I know, Greg, is that they just... They really mismanaged the way these games were shown, the way these games were accessible. Uh, the hype around these games um, was minimal, yet they just kept shoving them down. People's you still heard about them, right? There was no hype, but yeah, you kept hearing about them. I just don't get it, and I'm really nervous. You know, David Jaffe's our friend, and we care about him, and I'm nervous for Drawn to Death because it looks great. It looks I've fun, played it and, and I've I, had fun, and I think people are going to enjoy it. But like, where? Why isn't? It, why is it free? You know, I, yeah. I, I just, I just don't. I just think you're gonna that game's gonna have problems too. I feel like this is in correct me if I'm wrong or if you think differently. I think this is similar to how we always talk about where it's like, all right, cool. Um, open world RPGs are hitting, and so three years later, there's all these open world RPGs, right? Free to play clearly is something. There's something there, and so a bunch of people jump in trying to figure out how to crack that nut, including Cliff. Right? Cliff figures out to get out, doesn't want to do it that way. But you look at these three games from Sony, and that's the writing's on the wall. By the time you get to Killstrain, what does that mean for Drawn to Death? It's uh, this is the first. I have no problem, you know, Japan Studio, for instance, makes a lot of great small games, Tokyo Jungle, uh, Puppeteer, and yeah. all these kinds of things. I have no problem with the game not existing in the AAA sphere. That's fine. I do have a problem with, like, using first-party resources to make these kind of, I don't want to say bottom-of-the-barrel experiences, because they're not from a gameplay perspective, but these experiences that try to, like, garner the phone crowd and try to appease the free-to-play crowd and all that kind of stuff, and I'm like, I just don't know that that even exists, really, on our console in any robust sort of way. Yeah. Um... Yeah, you can find a few examples of people being like, yeah, this free-to-play game makes money. And I'm like, dude, there's like a thousand games on PS4. Like, that's really, you know, a broken clock's right twice a day. 
you, you, you know, I, I would hope that there's some success. Again, throw enough at the wall, yeah. something's going to stick, right? You're ignoring the ones that fail. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, 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 we do wish our very best. Uh, we, we know people, a lot of people at Sony San Diego specifically, and, and so it, it was very sad news mm-hmm. to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, as we investigated that, but uh, our very best goes out to them. And to the guys at Sony London, they're all very talented, and I'm sure they will land on their feet. Number three, MPD has revealed the 10 best-selling games for the month of August 2016 in the United States. And remember, this accounts digital now, unless, uh, unless otherwise noted, as we will talk about in a minute. The 10 games in order are Madden NFL 17, No Man's Sky, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, Grand Theft Auto 5, Overwatch, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Lego Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Minecraft, and Destiny, excuse me, burp, Destiny, The Taken King. It's a little typo here I'm going to fix. No Man's Sky, Overwatch, and Minecraft numbers don't count digital sales, indicating that all three of those games may have actually listed higher than indicated. As for hardware, we know that for the second month in a row, Xbox One has outsold PlayStation 4 in the United States, That's marking, him. as far as I know, the first two consecutive months Xbox One has outsold PS4 in the U.S. since the console's launch. It's not scientific. People can tell me in the comments or on Twitter if I'm wrong, but I don't remember PS4 ever being outsold by Xbox One two months in a row until now. Um, not that it matters, I guess, very much. Uh, no huge surprises here. Madden's huge in the States. Uh, no Man's Sky obviously did very well. Deus Ex did very well, although there is kind of mixed messaging on if Deus Ex actually did well or not. Um, How so? There's the, the, the charted here. Apparently but that's charted. Not it apparently charted. It apparently didn't sell very many copies in other in other territories. So if you can garner information from that, then this might just be a weak month overall. Interesting. In which it came in third. Um, and I honestly am just anecdotally hearing no one talk about it. No. So, that, I mean, um, that, that, but that's how I always felt. That, even Human Revolution, I felt that way about. Right. Like I thought that this is a game that people like, and the people who like it really like it. But it's not huge it's not mainstream you're not seeing people you know beating down doors talking about it nonstop. i think the big winners here are actually apart from the new games uh, is grand theft auto 5 which this month uh, came out three years ago this month God. and is still selling at number four um and at six uh rainbow six siege um which i know ubisoft super proud of because of this weird you know usually you have this plateau effect with online games and then a drop off and that game apparently is super vibrant keeps going um still yeah so people like really dig it yeah see people so like i think yeah, those are the big alfredo big over on twitch talking about it playing about it, it's doing these things it seems like it's got the same thing right where it has an audience that is really really into it and then it, it, with the you know difference of how you're seeing there's an audience into deus ex not maybe talking about it all the time there's an audience into siege and they're t- streaming it and you have streamers who are a big deal playing this game caring about it being really good showing you new tactics that does bring in people and i'm sure there's some kind of sale or something sure number four number four Sony revealed the best-selling digital games on the PlayStation Store for the month of August 2016. The top 10 best-selling digital games for PS4 were in order. No Man's Sky, Madden NFL 17, Battlefield 4, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, Battlefield Hardline, Grand Theft Auto 5, Minecraft, Rocket League, Abzu, and Batman the Telltale Series Episode 1. The top 10 best-selling digital PS3 games were in order. Battlefield 4, The Last of Us, Minecraft, Battlefield Hardline, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare, Castle Illusion starring Mickey Mouse, Little Big Planet 3, Okami HD, Need for Speed Most Wanted, and Madden NFL 17. The top 10 best-selling digital Vita games were in order. God Eater Resurrection, Bastion, God Eater 2 Rage Burst, Minecraft, Saturday Morning RPG, Ratchet and Clank Collection, Grand Theft Auto Collection, Gal Gun Double Piece, Hyper yeah, Dimension Neptunia Reaper 3, V Generation, and Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus Force. The top 10 best-selling PlayStation Classics were in order. Ape Escape 2, Bully, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, The Warriors, Dark Cloud 2, Final Fantasy 9, Final Fantasy 8, Wild Arms 3, Final Fantasy 6, and Final Fantasy Tactics. Black Ops 3, The Division, Rocket League, Black Ops 2, and Minecraft dominated the various DLC charts. 
Nothing interesting there. What are you talking about? Number five. South Park, the fractured butthole has been delayed from December of 2016 to the first quarter of 2017 in order to give the team at Ubisoft more time to finish the game and polish things up. Quote, the development team wants to make sure the game experience meets the high expectations of fans and the additional time will help them achieve this goal. End quote, Ubisoft said on its official blog. Weedleface wrote into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can to get your question read and says, when it rains, it pours. Shortly after learning that both Final Fantasy 15 and The Last Guardian would be delayed until late November slash early December, we now get the news that South Park has been pushed back to Q1 2017. Given that South Park was originally scheduled to be released on December 6th, the date that The Last Guardian is now slated to release, and Final Fantasy also hits a week earlier, do you think this is the reason for the delay, at least in part, to distance themselves from these two highly anticipated titles? Thanks and praise be to Shuhei. No. No, definitely not. Under no circumstance do I think that's the reason they got delayed. No. I I believe that they need more time. They want to make the game great. I agree, too. And I was talking to someone about this. Like, we had known about this for a while, and I almost spilled the beans on this 7,000 times. Yeah. Um... Well, I was just waiting for them to finally say it. Yeah, I know. We, we had known for weeks, and I'm like, it's getting closer. And, gonna... and so we knew about this before the Last Guardian delay, so that negates that because yeah. obviously, you know, they didn't know that. Um, and maybe even around the time Final it was right Fantasy around was the delayed. Final Fantasy so, so delay. in other words, so we had known about this to the extent that um, that it, it couldn't possibly be affected by those games, and I don't think Ubisoft cares or. I was going to say by those the, games. the other big thing is I doubt the South Park team is scared of those games. This is in such a different direction. This is a different audience, and if they can just make it as good as the last time, they're going to have a hit on their hands again. Like you know, the last South Park game was so good, so beloved, and I think that when you talk about Last Guardian, you talk about Final Fantasy 15, you're talking about decades combined of expectation riding on those games. Those games will never be able to live up to the hype. Those games will never be able to live up to what people think they're going to be. Yeah, that South Park can be totally a sad week. <laughs> South Park can totally come out and exceed expectations and be the thing people didn't know they wanted. But it's also a different kind of RPG. It's a different... I don't know if like... It's awesome. Every one of your traditional Japanese gamers or people who are really into traditional Japanese games who are looking at Final Fantasy or looking at Last Guardian are also looking at Fractured But Whole the exact same way. Okay. Okay. Um... Yeah, I I, uh, I feel like I, I played South Park and, uh, you know, uh, Fractured Butthole and, and uh, it's awesome. Yeah. The so I, I have no I have very I'm very confident that the game's going to be great. I don't think they care. It is a good point, And I, I brought it up on some other show or to some. I don't remember where. Well, like that is going to be a week of just complete despair <laughs> between Final Fantasy 15 and then The Last Guardian. These two these two just long gesting I don't even know what to call them yeah like these these, these lumbering this borderline vaporware fat games um it could be a time of great triumph for the gamer it could be a time of great suffering as the winter takes hold the winter uh so so we'll see how that all goes um but yeah, I don't think that they care about either of those games. And and like we said, we knew about the delay to the extent that the other delays weren't even announced yet. So, um, And I was actually surprised when we were at GameStop Expo and I was watching the sizzle reel for South Park or whatever that they still had the date. And I was like, oh, maybe yeah, maybe it's not true. Yeah. Well, what we've been hearing. But no, it was true. Uh, number six. It appears that Sony Shue Yoshida, friend of the show, isn't all that pleased with the way No Man's Sky was handled, particularly when it comes to the head of developer Hello Games, Sean Murray. In an interview with Eurogamer, he said, quote, I understand some of the criticisms, especially Sean Murray is getting because he sounded like he was promising more features in the game from day one. It wasn't a great PR strategy because he didn't have a PR person helping him. And in the end, he is an indie developer. But he says their plan is to continue to develop No Man's Sky features and such. And I'm looking forward to continuing to play the game. End quote. 
it's worth noting that Hello Hello Games still just radio fucking word. silent, completely yeah. embarrassing. Uh, Sean, as someone had pointed out, that Sean Murray, who t- used to tweet regularly, hasn't tweeted in like a, over a month. Um, really disappointing the way this game was handled, and that, and 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 it, I really do think that it's on them, which more than on, on on Hello Games more than anyone. Well, Sony's complicit. It's time for them to say something. Sony's yeah. complicit, and so is uh, so are the gamers, and and especially the fucking media. And I'll tell you, like when we were on that side. Um, I remember saying at those E3s and stuff like that, like, I don't get what everyone's so excited about. I remember everyone voting for Game of the Show and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, why? Why? Like, what you really, you really believe that this game is going to be what you think it is? No, of course it isn't. And it's not, you know? And, uh, I, 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 I feel like people let their expectations get, it's a, it's a vicious cycle of like media overhyping everything. Uh, and then consumers getting on board with pre-orders and all this, and then the developer not delivering, and then the PR not saying anything. It's like really a botched situation. I'm sure they're glad the game sold well, but I'm also sure that the drop-off of players is significant. It's staggering, yeah. On that thread, cool guy Slim writes into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can and says, what if... I've always wondered how much of an impact does good coverage or bad coverage affect a game? What would happen if every gaming site slash publication got together and said that they were going to give a bad or okay game an amazing review? With that seed planted in the consumer's head, would they go in thinking that this is an awesome game and ignore the flaws or the opposite? Would a great game given bad reviews by everyone change the perception of people? It would be a good social experiment. What would happen if everyone said No Man's Sky is the best, better than imagined? Would people cry foul or would they sign, sing its praise? What if every publication out there gave COD terrible scores and say the multiplayer was horrible, yet plays like a normal COD game should? Would people think it's a terrible game? I've always, I've played games that received bad reviews. I love them. Then I went back and read the reviews and I didn't really agree. I know it's subjective. I hope this makes sense. want to hear your thoughts. Colin, what would happen if everybody said No Man's Sky at 10? Perfect. Would the consumer have seen through it? Yeah, I mean that would have been. I mean, it would have been outrageous. It took, right. me, it took me five seconds to know that this game wasn't anywhere near a ten. Now the the and I think that that's the case for everyone. You know, it's just it doesn't it doesn't have any of the hallmarks of of a fantastic game or even a great game. In my in my estimation, I'm glad people enjoy it, and everyone's always the outlier. I've been the outlier too. So that there's no, it's a very subjective kind of game you're playing. Sure. I I feel like I I really do feel like the and I felt like the excuse me, I feel like this when we were at IGN and I feel like this now is that the role of media specifically with criticism is somewhat overblown. People are going to like what they want to like. Um, I certainly don't listen to, geez, I have the hiccups. I certainly don't listen to reviews when there's a game I'm excited about if I just want to see it for myself. And I think it takes a long time to track a game and then track the personalities that talk about games and figure out how your likes and dislikes kind of match up with yeah. them. And then you need to kind of an amalgamation of all those kinds of things to figure out if you can really trust a review or not. Not to say that the reviewer is lying. It's just to say about like their perspective. Well, the it's, it's, the it's the, what I was talking about. I was, to, I always bring up the fact that I think it's the best time right now to be a game consumer, right? Because you can find people that you align with and know, and you get to know us, you get to know Jim Sterling, you get to know the IGN crew, you know, when Marty reviews a game, if you've agreed with Marty reviews before, so then you can sit there and be like, well, I'm kind of like Marty or no, I'm kind of like Connor. I'm kind of like Greg and what they say can kind of go somewhere. Um, I think, yeah, I think if what he's talking about, if everybody agreed in some cloak and dagger Illuminati r- room that they're going to say COD sucks when COD is actually greater 
whatever, I think people would get it in their hands and figure that out. And then it'd be a word of mouth thing. I think it would have a chilling effect in terms of who's buying it day one or what's that. You know, it's a lot of people who are going to jump in who are the, you know, fervent fan base that thinks that they're going to buy COD every year. But in the end, it would net out that and then you understand that you couldn't trust anybody. And then all these sites would publications and people would be screwed. Yeah, that's all about trust. And, and uh, I don't think anyone's out to necessarily mislead people. But I think that, you know, the, the reason that previewing games is the worst thing and I hated it and I hate it now is that. You have to you have to give the game the benefit of the doubt, but you also have to keep expectations in check. I simply don't understand why No Man's Sky was so hyped up. I don't get it. And no, I like, no, no, and I, the reason it was so hyped up is because nobody played it forever and they just listened and talked. I go back to the fact, and I'm not trying to pat us on the back. Kevin and I have been ta- we're talking ever since that E3 of like this game seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. This is what we did in it. This is what it's going to be. It's not going to be go out there and have a second life and do this and fu- you know you're not going to be able to get interrupt these spaceships and do these things. We we're like we loved running around blowing stuff up. All Kev wanted to do was build a Death Star. He can't. <laughs> he got told that pretty early, and he's like, "All right, well, thanks." Um, yeah, I, I think that. I mean, the more I saw the game, the more I was like, "Nope." Like, there's something wrong with this. Uh, the cycle was all fucked up and and uh, the lack of hands on and the lack of transparency. It just made it. It was it was vividly clear. Um, and I'm sorry that a lot of people got caught up in that and are disappointed. But you have to. This is the other thing. It's like, why do people need to buy games right away? Like, what? Just wait. Gotta like, I know it's easy for us Join to say that or whatever. But like, yeah, but it's share. Like, who cares about the conversation? Like the the the. The games are not made for conversations. Games are made to play and enjoy. Mm-hmm. If you just waited a week, you would have figured out what No Man's Sky was and what how people felt about it. You might have saved your sixty dollars. You might have saved, saved yourself a lot of anguish and heartache. I just I hate thing. this pre-order culture and this like must have a day one culture and stuff. If you've waited so long for a game, you can wait another week. Yeah, you know? and then maybe you'll be happy you did. But that's just my opinion, and I think maybe. that like I think No Man's Sky is a lesson for everyone. Uh, involved in games from the media to the PR to the developers to the consumers and the enthusiasts to everyone everyone should no man's sky should be a, a if it's, if it, 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 yeah if it's if it's if it's useful for one reason because no one's going to be playing it in a year if it's useful for one reason then it's that it's that it taught us uh, to keep our expectations in check it taught developers to not over promise which they clearly did it taught PR not to overexpose games that are not ready for prime time over and over again. It taught you know a lot of people a lot of things. So I think we can you know I'm glad No Man's Sky exists not because it's a great game because it's not in my opinion but because it's a uh, it's 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 an educational experience for us. Yeah, we'll see if anybody listens though. I hope they will. Same thing with what happened with Sony San Diego. It's like it's got to be we got to use these things as educational experiences so that they don't happen again. Hmm. Number seven. In a QA at Tokyo Game Show, Hideo Kojima noted somewhat coyly when his upcoming PS4 exclusive Death Stranding will launch. It will be out before the Olympics. To go a little further, there is a movie called Akira, and it will be out before the year in which Akira is set. The Tokyo Olympics, I believe, are in 2020, and Akira was set in 2019. So this seems to place Death Stranding's release year as 2018. There was some confusion as TG- at TGS about if Death Stranding was actually an online multiplayer game, but Kojima confirmed that it will be playable solo. There will be also be a female protagonist in addition to a male protagonist. So we have a, a, a release window of 2018. Not a chance in hell. No, I don't think so. No chance in hell. I love you, Kojima. I hope for it, but a no chance in hell. No, I don't believe it either. And it says, number eight, speaking of Kojima, doesn't sound like he's too impressed with Konami's new project, Metal Gear Survive. According to IGN, during Kojima's Q&A at TGS, he noted that the game has, quote, nothing to do, unquote, with him, and later said, quote, the Metal Gear games are about political fiction and espionage. Where do zombies fit in with that, end quote? Konami has confirmed that some of the core team that worked on Metal Gear Solid Five, the Phantom Pain, are working on Metal Gear Survive, though it's unclear which particular people are involved and which aren't. So there's all of that as well. 
Number nine, Assassin's Creed, the Ezio collection has been announced for PlayStation 4 as well as Xbox One and will combine Ezio's core trilogy, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and Assassin's Creed Revelation into a single package. It's due out this November. Interestingly, in the blog post that revealed the collection, Ubisoft notes that the Assassin's Creed franchise has sold an impressive 100 million games to date. X Reverse Flash X writes into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can to get your question right on the air and says, Hi, Greg and Colin. Assassin's Creed Ezio Collection for PS4 was officially revealed by Ubisoft this past week. Do you guys find it smart for Ubisoft to release this collection on the same day as their other major title for this year, Watch Dogs 2? Both are similar types of games, and I feel they may be squashing their own sales a bit by not spreading these releases out. This is similar to what EA is doing with Titanfall 2 and Battlefield 1, to which Colin brought up a good point about on last week's show. Reverse Flash. Um... No, I mean, it's weird that they're releasing them on the same day, but I'm not sure it, that it really matters. That's my thing, as I think if you're excited for the Ezio collection, I think you're uh, probably a fan of, that's already played them. You're ready to jump out, go have a good time. You want to go back into that. And I think at that point, if you're a Watch Dogs fan, you're buying Watch Dogs regardless. If you're, it, it actually might work, too. You're in line to buy Watch Dogs. Like, oh, well, there's is, is Ezio collection 60 bucks or is it Markdown? If it's Markdown, you know what I mean? If it is a $50 collection, like, oh, why not? I loved those games. I'll get to them eventually. It's more of an impulse buy on something that's already proven. Because you are now thinking about, yeah, we are in this Ubisoft headspace. Here's Watch Dogs 2. We, you know, I keep saying it. You say it every so often is that I hope that... This is the leap from Watch Dogs 2 is the leap that Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed 2 was. I want to see that. I want to see all the things that I loved about Assassin's Creed 2, which were all the things perfected about Assassin's Creed 1. I'd like to see that here, too. Yeah, I don't know that it really matters. It, 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 I think it is strange. I don't know why you wouldn't just release them separately. Um, but no, I don't think it's going to have any material effect on Watch Dogs 2. What I'm super interested in with Watch Dogs 2 is if anyone really cares. This mm. is the game... Um, that I'm like so when original Watch Dogs came out, Watch Dogs as we didn't know at the time was the first next gen game we actually ever saw. Um, we just didn't know it at the yeah. time, and uh, there was some buzz behind it. But I think that a lot of people felt like they were kind of burned with Watch Dogs. I felt like it was very underwhelming. I feel like that was the consensus. The game was fine, uh, but it was a little half baked, and we want to see more in the sequel. But I also, you know, just anecdotally, I'm not seeing too many people talking about Watch Dogs. So I'm not, I'm not seeing too many people clamoring for Watch Dogs 2. I'm interested to see how it does. I, I think one of the cool things for us is that it takes place in San Francisco in a very true-to-form San Francisco, and I think that's going to be fun to watch but um, and to play in, but uh, I'm super interested to see if Watch Dogs 2 nets out into an actual franchise for you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you because that's the thing. Everybody was hyped for Watch Dogs the same way they were hyped for Assassin's Creed, and when Assassin's Creed 2 finally did hit, there was a buildup of expectations. There was a buildup of people excited about it, and I feel like, yeah, Watch Dogs has maintained or you know maybe a little when they announced it tick up but it's not i don't hear people talking about watchdogs 2 like they did talk about watchdogs 1 but you assume that is because yeah they've been burned they got excited for watchdogs 1 jumped in and found it to be a, you know empty experience for we'll find part. out i think it's a really clever kind of story and and uh you know as we were talking about at gamestop expo with one of the guys from the studio named colin actually <gasps> colin number one i call him uh i feel like it's um with mr robot and some of this other stuff that the these 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 kind of technologically driven games where it's about corporations and governments kind of using technology against the people, whatever. I'm surprised that this isn't a, a fictional device used more in games. Uh, number 10, Neo, the long in development Koei Tecmo published game that melds together the likes of Demon Souls and Dark Souls with Animusha finally has a worldwide release date. It will launch exclusively on PlayStation 4 on February 9th, 2017. And that's mm. a game that I'm very much looking forward to. Really? That, that game started development in 2004. Um, and then it's gone through all these different iterations. I think it was more of a role-playing game at one time, whatever. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that game. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be really cool. 
And uh, I think the uh, the two alphas they did, or the alpha and the beta, I think was were pretty well received. Um, and I think that there were some material changes made to the game based on the feedback on that. So that's cool. We'll see how that that could be a little kind of sneaker, like kind of silent little killer there in February. We'll, we'll find out. Number 11. Uh, as a wrap-up, Digimon World Next Order has been revealed for release in the West, but will only come to PS4 and not to Vita. There was some confusion about this. So basically what happened, as far as I know, is that there was a... Uh, Social media, right? S- well, there was a press release for Digimon World Next Order that was like, it's coming to PS4. Then they followed up and said a digital release will happen for Vita and a physical release for PS4. And then they followed up and said that there will be no release for Vita. So I don't really know what's going on, but it sounds like it's only coming to PlayStation 4, and we'll have more information on that if they if they have more to say, I guess. Third-person stealth game Aragami is coming to PS4 on October 4th. 2.5D platformer Shu is coming to PS4 and Vita on October 4th. Puzzle Adventure Games Season After Fall comes to PS4 in 2017. It's Seasons After Fall. Comes to PS4 in 2017. And finally, quirky physics-based game Manual Samuel comes to PS4 on October 11th. And that is all for the news. Colin, you know I'm excited for Shu, a game about Shuhei Yoshida. Stoked to platform is that little Japanese man. But it's so far away. If I wanted to know what came to the digital mom and grop shops, where would I go? You go to the official uh, list of upcoming PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, sometimes PSP software by the kind of funny co-founders. <laughs> Before we get out of the news, by the way, I just want to point people to this uh, story on Digital Spy by a man named Dan Silver that was published on September 16th. It's a, uh, called PlayStation Chief. Why PS4 Pro is Sony's iPhone, VR is the future, and Xbox isn't playing nice anymore. It's just an interesting story. You guys should go read it. I, I didn't want to spit anything out in here, but there's a lot of interesting stuff here about PS4 Pro, about Sony's future, about the way Microsoft's handling things with them now and stuff like that. Just, you guys should go read it. Just wanted to throw it out there. As far as games are concerned, The Bunker comes to PS4 Digital. The Bunker. As the last remaining survivor in a nuclear bunker, John's daily routine is one thing that keeps him sane, but when an alarm goes off, his mind starts to self-destruct. The Bunker is a live-action psychological horror game starring Adam Brown from The Hobbit and Sarah Green from Penny Dreadful with writing talent behind The Witcher, Broken Sword, and Soma. Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it does. I can't tell if it sounds interesting because it seems like a cool idea or if it sounds interesting because it'll be like Night Trap again. <sighs> Night Trap. That Dear Esther Landmark Edition comes to PS4 Digital. Dear Esther immerses you in a stunningly realized world, a remote and desolate island somewhere in the outer Hebrides? Hebrides, I guess is how you say it. As you step forward, a voice begins to read fragments of a letter, Dear Esther, and so begins a journey through one of the most original first-person games of recent years. Destiny, the collection, comes to PS4 Digital and Retail. Destiny is the next evolution of the first-person action genre, combining an unprecedented combination of storytelling, cooperative and competitive modes, and in-depth character creation alongside a huge variety of weapons, armor, and abilities. Doodle Kingdom comes to PS4 and PS3 Digital. This is out the 19th, so this is actually out by the time you read this or hear this. It's time to get medieval. From the creators of the award-winning puzzle games Doodle God and Doodle Devil comes a fantasy brain teaser where you can quest as a dragon breeder, warlock, and knight. Daring adventures await you in this fantasy kingdom where you can breed and raise four different types of dragons, engage in runner-style combat, and bring your medieval fantasies to life. Jazz Punk Director's Cut comes to PS4 Digital. Jazz Punk is a comedy adventure set in an alternate reality Cold War world, plagued with corporate espionage, cybercrime, and sentient, mar- marti- sentient martinis. Okay. Gameplay is inspired by spoof comedy films weird. and cartoons of yesteryear with a focus on weird gadgets, exotic locales, and open world style exploration. Last Fight comes to PS4 Digital. Last Fight is bringing 2 on 2 3D fighting back to your living room. Pick up any available object in one of the eight stages and teach your opponents a lesson. Play in a local multiplayer mode or solo story mode with a cast of 10 characters inspired by the comic book Last Man. 
Machinarium comes to PS4 Digital. This is out on the 21st, so this is a Wednesday release. Yes. An award-winning adventure game by Am- Amanita Design, now available on PS4. I played it on PS3. It was pretty good. Skylight Free Range 2, Gosh Duin, comes to Vita Digital. After a powerful biotechnology was legalized in 2048 in Canada, the cult of symbiote forced their way in as regulators in the Maritimes. Despite their presentation as protectors and healers, the cult has ruined many lives with their ambitions. As tensions escalate and boiling points are reached, lines will blur, gray areas will clash, and the shadows, shadow group Goshduin will make choices that have a very real impact for Nova Scotia. Sounds like something translated from another language. It, it sounds, yeah, it's Canadian fan fiction. <laughs> Slain Back from Hell comes to PS4 Digital. You control the fate of Batherin. A doomed hero in a gothic world who seeks to liberate six cursed realms from six deadly overlords. He must battle his way through this blighted land packed with gruesome and lethal creatures before ascending or sometimes descending into a stronghold, all the while defeating fiendish traps and vile monsters alike. Got to give a shout out to this art. What, what, what the hell is that? What? Jesus. Can, can they just put screenshots in for these things? Stop putting the logo in there. I want to see what the game looks like every time. <clears throat> Token. What do you got to hide, games? I don't know. What are you hiding, games? Let us see the screenshot. Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters Daybreak Special Gigs. Nope. Come the fuck on. That's the title? Yep. Comes well, to PS4. One more PS- time? Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters Daybreak Special Gigs. Uh, PS4, PS3, Vita, digital on PS4 and, re- uh, and digital for all on PS4 will be available at retail. Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters Daybreak Special Gigs weaves an intricate story that pushes the boundaries of reality as you battle restless spirits causing chaos throughout Tokyo. Hunt down ghosts and exercise evil. The ghost system, graphic horizontal object streaming, creates a vivid world unlike anything you've seen before. Now this sounds awesome. Let me see a screenshot and shorten the fucking name. <laughs> Tohu Scarlet Curiosity comes to PS4 Digital. It's out the 22nd, so this is a Thursday release. This is a random word generator just spitting out titles right now. The enchanting world of Tohu comes alive in this beautiful fan-made action RPG as the infamous vampire Ramilia Scarlet and her dutiful maid Sakuya Izuyu, Izayoi match wits with a cast of colorful characters, overpower enemies with signature skills and spell cards, rough up a few fairies, and unravel a plot odder than they could have imagined. That description was written by a random word generator as well. This one sounds interesting. Virginia comes to PS4 Digital. This is out the 22nd. Uh, so that is also a Thursday release. Virginia is a single-player first-person thriller set in a small town with a secret. Experience a missing person's investigation through the eyes of graduate FBI agent Anne Tarver. I will. And Tarver. And finally, Zenith comes to PS4 Digital. Zenith is an action RPG that combines the fe- that feel of the Golden Era RPG games with a generous dose of humor and parody. Adventuring, exploring ruins, accidentally unleashing the apocalypse, saving the world. You've done it all. No and so has Argus. And frankly, he's a bit fed up with the whole thing. He used to be a wizard, which was fine and all, but he's in his 30s now, and he wants to settle down and get some peace and quiet. Sounds like you. Yeah. But you've wanted that since you're like 18. <laughs> that's, that's it for the uh, new games. Colin, time for topic of the show. Tots, 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 tots. This one was submitted by Paul Law. His name's Paul, but it's all lowercase, P-A-U, then all uppercase, L-A-W. So Paul Law, but we're going to call him Paul. Hey, Greg. Hi, Colin. Mm. Greetings from Manchester, England. No oi, he says. With PSVR so close to launch, I need to discuss a few things. Please stick with me. The UK has been poor at giving people the opportunity to demo PSVR, so I have based my pre-order mainly on feedback from you guys. You're welcome, Paul. The cost of the device, 
has had me saving for a while, and I still have no VR games on pre-order. I trust you guys, so I would appreciate if you could recommend a solid starting game to buy for VR. Riggs does seem to be the one with the most hype behind it, but I just don't know if it's going to be for me. Dot, dot, dot. Also, dot, dot, dot. I already own the PS4 camera, but... Didn't we start off this whole PSVR cell by saying that move controllers were optional and not a requirement? Now it seems that certain games do require the controllers. It's just getting confusing now. I was thinking the PlayStation Worlds might be a nice place to start with VR, but then I need to fo- folk out. I think it means fork out. An extra, then he puts a weird upside down J with a line through it. So 70, 70 pence, I assume. 70, 70 pence for move controllers. I am left feeling slightly confused by VR and its requirements. I don't really know which games I can get without needing move controllers and why are Sony not telling us much about the cinematic mode? I have a feeling this isn't going to be this isn't going to be very good and that playing standard games on VR will suffer from screen door the screen door effect. Thanks for all the great content. I have been a long-time supporter, Paul. Paul, you should cancel your VR pre-order. It does not sound like this is where you need to be right now. As we've said on this show many times, we believe in VR. We're excited about VR. This is tip of the sword VR stuff, though. You're going to get out there. You're going to get your headset. You're going to get your demo disc. You're going to play all those demos and be like, those were fun experiences. They're not full games yet. Even if you buy rigs, if you buy Batman, I feel like you're going to tap out pretty quick on that, let alone, yeah, you do need to figure out who needs a move controller of what is going on. We, Colin, have been excited from what we've seen of PlayStation VR. I'm totally in, I, but I know this is very much a No Man's Sky situation. I know what I'm buying. I'm buying this thing that I'm not going to use every day. That's going to be something that I'm getting in on the ground floor of and then wanting to see grow and wanting to see go and job simulator is going to be great and res is going to be great. But how many great games am I going to have out the gate? This sounds very much like the hype of No Man's Sky we were just talking about. I think you do need to sit there and figure out from reviews and things if you're in for that experience on day one or if you need to wait and see, hey, here's what this is going to be. Yeah, I uh, don't know if I necessarily disagree. I think it's going to be a slow burn. I think that you have to just figure these things out. I think Sony's going to have to figure these things out as well. And um, it's kind of one of those things where you, uh, you, if you want to be tip of the spear and you want to kind of get in uh, right away, then there, it's it, that's wrought with uh, that's wrought with uh, danger because just like if you're buying a new console and you don't know anything about it, just like if you're buying a, any piece of hardware that you don't know anything about, that's going to need to be supported over many years. I, I do feel like uh, we're excited about PSVR because of the promise of PSVR, and so. Um, it might not work out this year or next year or whatever, but it's going to stick around, I do believe. And um, I think you're going to find worthwhile experiences. I mean, the experiences, you know, I'm excited to play E Valkyrie. Uh, I'm excited to play some of these other games. Uh, but what I'm really excited about is are some of the games that are coming. So uh, Robinson looks really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Resident Evil 7, playable front to back in VR. So, and I like the um, idea that you can pop in and out of it. You play it for a little bit, mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, I want to play the controller, or just normal, I should say. Pop out, pop back in, do yeah, what you want. I, I think that you'll find... Um, you know, maybe maybe you, you want to cancel it until you and, and get it later. I'm sure it's not going to be that hard to find soon. Yeah, of course. Out. After launch, I would say what I would say, two three weeks. You'd imagine. Yeah, they'll start they'll start you know manufacturing more, and I'm sure they already are manufacturing as many as they can, and and we'll see what happens. So I, I understand your the difficulty because you haven't played it yet, but I also feel like because you haven't played it, you're not a believer. So right. uh, maybe it isn't for you, and that's okay. That's that's not for everyone. There's forty what forty five million PS4s or something like that in the wild at this yeah. point, and that's where and I guess you like be a million of us. We're maybe? talking about the investment here of the headset and even saving your money for a while but then like do you need move controllers if you're not down to buy the move controllers are you down for the experience of vr because for me that is what vr is like yeah you don't need them for certain experiences but 
the reaching out and grasping the gauntlets and putting them on your hand as Batman and throwing a battering like that's what I right now think VR is and what it's going to be. I, the thing you I think is find interesting is like why aren't why why isn't Sony talking more about cinematic mode? I don't think there's much more to say about cinematic mode. You put it on, you choose the screen size, and you do. You're worried about screen door effect? 100%. It does not look as clear as your TV. It is a blown-up picture of the game you're playing. I think that's cool. I think for some experiences, I'm going to want to play games like that, just normal games, have it all cut off, and just be there in the theater. What's more interesting is, I think, I was thinking about this on the way here to work today. Why aren't we talking about VR more, period? We're less than a month away from the launch of PlayStation VR, and I really feel like... I forget that all the time. It doesn't feel like it's imminent. It doesn't feel like it's about to happen. And I wonder if that is part of the, well, pre-orders are sold out. What is it? What is there for us to tell you about VR right now? And also it, I think it is part of the, this is tip of the sword gen one. Like this is what it's going to be. We're not trying to overhype this. We don't need to run ads during major league baseball games to tell you this is coming. Get in and get on, get, get going. I yeah, think and this the is ads, the thing. The ads might come soon, but the, um, you know, during football and whatnot, sure. but the, um, yeah, we're not. Talk- I mean, I think I think Sony will probably send us a unit before it comes out. I mean, we both pre-ordered our own units, but um, for the record, I did not. I would oh, have, yeah. but I was on the plane when they put oh, them right out on. the second time. I didn't get them. Um, so I have mine coming, and and you know we'll hopefully get one from Sony, so we at least show the audience and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's just a niche device. I, I I don't know that they're even looking for this meteoric kind of success right now. I think that I also 100 percent agree with that. I think that they're just trying to figure it out as they go, and uh, you know. The, the, the early adopters are the believers, so their word of mouth is going to be very valuable. I think more valuable maybe even than the commercial. So, yeah, it sounds like maybe it's for you. If you're skeptical, I wouldn't know why you'd want to drop that much money anyway. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not skeptical. I know what I'm getting. And, I, and You've I, used and I'm, it. And I'm, I've used it many times, and I'm excited to um, to get you know to get more hands on or eyes on time with nah. it, face on time with it uh, as we get it in the, in the house. I think it's a totally remarkable machine and a remarkable technology, and it's not only Sony doing it. It's others doing it as well. I think it's a totally next step in technology. That's worth investigation. And if you want to wait, it's the same thing I was saying about No Man's Sky. Uh, if you want to wait uh, a little while and let us kind of tell you what's going on and the pros and cons and all that kind of stuff, and then you buy it in a more informed way, then I think that there's nothing wrong with that. If you waited this long for it, you can wait a little while longer. Mm-hmm. Colin. Yes. It's trophy time. What's happening? What's happening in the world of trophies? A lot of trophies. I mean, so the, the big thing that I wanted to say is that Red Dead Revolver, mm. um, its trophies popped. Um, we're talking about the PS2 game from like 2004. Um, it has uh, 11 bronze, one silver, and one gold, so no platinum trophy. But it looks like the game, the PS2 game, will be coming to PS4. Um, so that's worth noting. And Ice27 yeah. writes in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can and says, Hello, Colin and Greg. Hello. He said he asked me to wait, so good job. I was just browsing PSN profiles when I noticed Red Dead Revolver's trophies just went live. Having been a huge fan of Red Dead Redemption and never having played Revolver, this seems like a PS2 classic I'd want to try. It does, however, leave me with two questions. Number one, is this another piece of evidence pointing to Red Dead 3 coming soon? More of Rockstar cashing in on the love of their old games or some mix of both? Two, more importantly, does Colin stand by his prediction of Red Dead 3 in 2016 or is it too late now? Thank you for all the content. You make my long commutes more tolerable. XOXO, Eric. Number one, is this more evidence of Red Dead 3 coming? No. You don't think so? No, not simply because the Sony or Rockstar has supported the PS4 to, or the PS2 to PS4 stuff more than even Sony itself has. All so I don't, I don't necessarily look at it like that. I mean, Bully, the Grand Theft Auto, like everything is on PS4 right now. Uh, the Warriors, like, so this just seems like another Rockstar game. Yeah. 
Could it be a you know, like some sort of harbinger? Maybe, but I, I don't necessarily read it like that. Considering Rockstar support traditional support of releasing their classic games on PlayStation platforms, they just do that. Yeah. Um, if this was the first game that they release on there, that 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 would be so. But when we read the top ten list as we just did from the digital store every week, it's all Rockstar games. So why would this be any different? So I, I don't necessarily read into it like that. They're making money. They're moving <clears> units. Why not? Uh, that said, Red Dead, Red Dead Three certainly is coming. Um, and do you are you seeing my prediction of this <clears> year? It's getting too late now. I I, I think. It could happen if it's announced by the end of September. But otherwise, I think that probably not. Um, so, where do you think that puts it? Spring, summer, fall next year? No idea. Yeah, no idea. You know, uh, I think releasing it. In the, I think releasing it in the in the uh, Q1 uh, would be weird. Yeah, uh, Q2 would make a little more sense. I, I think you might want to hold it to, to to Q3 or Q4. Okay. Back to your trophies. Oh, okay. Mafia's trophies are up. Mafia 3's. Uh, does anyone have it yet, by the way? No, no. So I don't feel that bad. 50 <laughs> bronze trophies, four silver trophies, one gold trophy, one platinum trophy. Mm, one gold. Um, so there's some story-driven ones, uh, i.e. Uh, Fish Gotta Eat says he helped Vito capture Michael Greco. Um it's a brave new world. You turn the butcher over to Burke. So there's all these kinds of trophies that are story driven. And now because of the nonlinear nature of Mafia 3 in terms of like there are things you can see, there are things you cannot see, there are people you can portray that affect the storyline. I wonder if you can get all these trophies in one playthrough. Um, but there's then you get into kind of the meat. Uh, sure thing bosses and you unlocked all the associates. Um, you complete all the side missions for Burke, for Vito, for Cassandra. Those are your partners that you can meet. Um, and Vito, of course, is from Mafia 2. Um, cash in hand, save $150,000 between your wallet and the bank, and then $500,000 earned. Um, get the maximum earn from one of your rackets, and that's one of the cool things is the earn and how they use that in Mafia 3. I'm really excited about that. Um, and then there's trophies, uh, there's trophies that seem to conflict. It says, we're in this together, kept all underbosses alive until yet here we are, and then just you and me keep only one underboss alive until yet here we are. So this, again, sounds like a game you might have to play twice for all the trophies. Mm. Um, you can... Uh, the new boss flipped 16 racket bosses, live another day, recruited 15 racket informants. No loose ends, killed all of the racket bosses. Can't trust a rat, killed 15 racket informants. Um, How much longer do we have to Mafia 3? It's in October. Okay. Is it another October 11th? <coughs> we have a million October 11th. So, I don't know, something like that. I'll look in a minute. Um, so there's a lot of trophies. There's 50 bronzes, as I said. Um, and the silver trophy, so there's four silver trophies and a gold trophy. The silver, right? Is that right? Yep, four silver trophies. So the silver trophies are um, Burn Like Napalm, Certainly Was Exciting, and Yet Here We Are, which are all story-driven trophies. And then the final silver trophy is Real Nice Time, um, which is another kind of spoilery kind of thing here. And then the gold trophy is uh, Decided Lincoln's Fate. When Lincoln, of course, is the main character. Oh, I thought it was Abe Lincoln. I thought we went back in time, maybe. Maybe so, you do. Don't so, throw that so out. So I'm here. super stoked about this. Yeah, me too. NBA 2K17, which is no doubt going to dominate sales charts for the months to come. Um, now his trophies, 34 bronze, 9 silver, 2 gold, 1 platinum. Uh, some interesting stuff here. A lot of this stuff has to do with the My Career mode. Mm -hmm. um, a great deal of these, so if you want to mess around with that. But then there's, uh, there's some kind of more game-by-game -game ones. Record 10 or more blocks with any team in a non-simulated game. Record 10 or more steals with any team, etc. Um, but a lot of the stuff, again, seems to have to do with the My Team mode and the My Career mode. So, um, And unfortunately, you're gonna, it looks like you're going to have to go online uh, or at least play with another person to, to get the versus trophies as well. Oh, uh, Yeah, there is. This one counts. Win one online versus match. Back to back to back. Win three versus matches in a row. Mm. 
Lincoln win five versus matches total. Lincoln's in there too? Hamilton win 10 versus matches total. Oh, they're making like dollar bill references, mm. see? So those Currency. are all there. I knew you wanted to see Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters Daybreak Special Giga Trophies. I did. Not a joke. Uh, 42 bronze, eight silver, two gold, and one bronze. platinum. Damn, son. Trophies for clearing all the episodes. Oh, Jesus. What do you got for me? Tay Hikimi confesses. Yeah. Iku Keidi confesses. Tessin Ryozuyan confesses. The Kayama brothers confess. Got them. Got those bros. Tomokio Ofo confesses. And that's it. I'm okay. done reading those. All right, cool. Thank you. I have no uh, idea what the game there is, some other, there, are some other tro- there are some other trophies. The Jazzbone trophies are up. We won't go through those. These Skylight Free Range 2 trophies on Vita are live. We won't really go into those. Um, and the Licked Sphere trophies, which I don't even know what that game is. Those trophies are live as well, but nothing else of interest. I really do feel like we have to relegate it to Mafia 3, the Red Dead yeah. trophies, uh, and NBA 2K is really kind of the points of interest for trophies this week. Well, Ollie Bear wrote into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ with a trophy time question and says, Hi, guys. Hello. I'm a big fan of the show, but never really got involved in things due to being a quiet and shy person. Therefore, I've never asked a question before, but... Something's been really bugging me the last couple of days, and it's about the new trophy notifications they brought with the firmware update. I hate being negative, but they look awful. The white background is very jarring and ugly, and they put the trophy name in small, and then they have, or they put the name in small, where you, quote, you have earned a trophy, was, which they have also replaced with, quote, trophy earned in big letters. My complaint may seem silly, but it discourages me from the trophy hunting in other games. It seems to be the biggest complaint with the latest update. What are you guys' thoughts? Do you think Sony will listen and change it back soon? Thanks, from Ali Bear. P.S. Someone tell Colin, stop, tr- no, I'm not going to read that. Um, stop what? Right, not no, because then we'll never ask the question. I'll, we'll answer his question, then you can re- okay. you can respond to his PS. Got some, got some shit to say. He does got some shit to talk. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the new notifications on in the thing? Uh, I, I think the whole 4.0 update has been a jarring, jarring is a great word. Redesigned for, it. for a lot of different things that like were muscle memory. Yeah. <clears throat> holding on the PlayStation button now brings you to, I have to relearn all this stuff. It's I like, like the quick menu. The quick menu is nice. I wish the quick menu had trophies. I think it's uh, weird that it doesn't, but yeah. I like that it's got music right there. I like that it's got my rest mode right there. I'm like, okay, cool. I use those. Yeah, it's, I think that I, I just don't understand. These were the changes that we needed. Like that. That's the thing I'm, I'm thinking about is like, you got your folder. Shut up. I don't even care about any of that. Though. A lot it's of people a, did though. That was the big thing people really wanted. I just feel like, come on guys. Like, I, under, I feel like things are being changed just to change them. So with the trophy thing, yeah, I think it was a little weird when I was playing Bioshock and I was like, what the hell is that? The one cool thing I like is the um, the waiting symbols are the sacred symbols now. Like, so yeah, like when it's yeah, waiting, yeah, I yeah. Think that's kind loading of that's a nice whatever, little yeah. design choice. But I just, I've been quite underwhelmed by this particular uh, update. update. But you know, my thing is, I'm I, fine with the console as it is. That's know? my, that is my biggest point, I think, is that like people write in a lot on uh, when you know, send your questions to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and ask like, oh man, we're getting close to four or whatever. We're getting close to another update. What do you guys want to see? And I'm very much a, a take it as it is guy. Like I thought it was not, I mean, I, I, I didn't really necessarily want folders. I miss the old XMB. You know what I mean? When it was all just like listed, I'd rather be games and I say have all my games lined up and you know, my movies or stuff like that. Uh, I think it's fine how it is, I, I, but there's so I've learned the system to the point that I don't hit a button and be like, Oh, why isn't this there? Why isn't that? You know what I mean? I just know where to go for everything. It's like, I learned how to use it. That's his programming system. Fine. The new one is jarring. I think is the best way to put it. I don't hate it though. It is weird to see it pop up and it's all white. And I'm like, Oh, that's something to get used to, but in three months we're going to be used to it, and no one's going to question. Yeah, it's what really the not the big. Like. It's really not the end of the world. It's just uh, I, I downloaded the update, and I'm like, I don't really feel like 
this updated anything. This has kind of just made my experience a little more complicated right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you'll, we'll learn it. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Got to get back to my printer settings like on the PS3. Yeah, definitely. Ollie Bear says, PS, someone tell Colin to stop trying to be so controversial all the time. Thanks. What does that mean? I don't understand what that means. I mean, he's telling you to stop trying to be so controversial. I don't have to try to be controversial. Someone has to say what is actually going on in the world. What's actually and going on me. in the world? You don't want to know. <laughs> so are you saying it or are you not saying it? If you don't like me trying to be so controversial, you might want to try to find another show. Yeah. Kindoffunny.com has a lot of calling on it. I don't know why you'd go there if you don't want to be controversial. It's okay. Now, this show's not for everyone. I'll, I'll live. Trophy time <clears throat> was brought to you by DollarShaveClub.com. Guys, you don't need to choose between price and quality to get an amazing and affordable shave. DollarShaveClub.com is the answer to prove how amazing their shave really is. Right now, they're going to give you your first month free to join the club. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing razors right to your door for a third of the price of what the greedy razor corporations charge. And Colin, if I'm lying, I'm dying. You and I have been fighting these greedy razor corporations our entire it's life. It's been a huge priority of mine in my these adult life. These sons of bitches out there. We're just trying to make as much money off these razor blades that they can. Just go to DollarShaveClub.com and pick a razor that works for you from their amazing lineup of blades. That's all there is to it. With DollarShaveClub.com, you can look, smell, and shave like a million bucks without paying for it. Tim uses these to trim his beard. And if you don't think Tim's hot, you don't shave have eyes. like a million bucks? Yep. You can look, look smell, and smell shave like, like a million bucks. bucks. I don't know if I, you ever smell money. Yeah. No, you don't want it. But you know how you look like a million bucks? They're adding in smell like a million bucks and shave like a million right, bucks. Okay. They also have the, the on their boxes, they have a little funny thing. It's, it's what? Shave, shave time, shave money. Yeah, I yeah, liked that. That's funny. That's cute. That's good. I hope they trademark that. Here's your chance to see why over 3 million members like Tim Gettys love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality of all their products. Now you can get your first month of the club for free. Just pay shipping. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. No long-term commitment. No hidden fees. There's no reason not to do it. Get your DollarShaveClub.com deal over at DollarShaveClub.com slash love. That's DollarShaveClub.com slash love for PS I Love You. XOXO. KindOfFunny.com PlayStation Podcast. I'm kind of every Tuesday. Stop being so controversial and use your Bic razor, bro. Whoa! That's one of the greedy corporations. <laughs> We're against them. Colin. Yeah. You ready for some audience questions here? Sure. We, we've been all over this thing. I wish today. I could speak a little louder. I feel like I'm speaking very like monotone today. Well, this is just your voice. Uh, though. Just can't kick it. You I mean, I, you you you're, you sound fine. You sound fine. Do I? Okay. I feel yeah. like you I don't sound, sound like the normal call. Like very nasally. I don't think you're usually out here like going the highs and the lows and jibber jabbing away. Colin. Yes. Kalasar writes in and says, hey, guys, with the release of two new Vita colors in Japan, seeming to indicate PlayStation recognizing the importance of Vita in that market. Do you think we'll see more Vita games coming out? And do you think any of this will translate to the West? Thanks, Kalasar. Uh, yeah, you'll see VD games. I mean, there are plenty of VD games still coming but more, out. You, but more. I don't think the two new colors indicate that like people are like, oh, fuck, we got to start supporting Vita again. No, 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 no. I think that, that you know... That ship sailed. Yeah. So, no, I don't think we're going to get the new colors here, and I don't think that uh, that's going to necessarily mean a greater net Vita support, but I think that there's plenty of Vita games still coming. We just read a few of them this week. Yeah. There are Vita's games are always coming. Including... Uh, I closed it. I don't know what it was. Tokyo Twilight Hunters Giga Force X or whatever the fuck it was called. It might be good. It has Ghost Hunters in there, I think, somewhere. I mean, I'm into ghosts, if you know that about me. Do you know that about me? Tokyo Hunting Ghosts Giga Force. There's a lot of ghosts in Tokyo for some reason. But yeah, I'm with you. Vita colors are cool. You're going to pick one. You, you've been talking about getting a Vita forever. Yeah, I need to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. It's a whole thing. Get that Dragon Quest one. I love that one was really cool. Streets. No, Street Folds 5. Hey, guys. 
My question has to do with community managers and social media. While Sony may have the PlayStation blog, which kills it most of the time, they do seemingly lack someone who's always on the ground listening to players and communicating with them directly. Xbox has Major Nelson, who is active on Reddit and various other social platforms. I see him constantly come into threads to clear up issues, fill in players on what's going on, or bring concerns to the the higher, higher ups, which quickly turns into visible actions. Why doesn't Sony have someone like this? When an issue comes up, Sony is usually silent or releases a generic PR blast. They don't even give the illusion that they communicate slash listen to fans online. As someone studying to go into this type of career and a lover of PlayStation, I would love to see Sony get someone like Major Nelson. I feel like it would go a long way to keeping customers happy and provide better communication. My vote is on Clements. Not like he has any new responsibilities like a baby or anything. It'll, it just makes sense. Thank you all. Street Folds 5. I think that comes down to is that Sony is still siloed in a very Japanese corporation way. Granted, they made a big deal when they changed their name of bringing uh, headquarters is San Mateo. This is an American company, but there are still, as we've learned, I mean, throughout years of covering and working with them, layer upon layer upon layer of approval. And I, I, Xbox, I think uh, Major Nelson's been around so long. He is embedded. I think he's empowered. I think he's empowered to be that voice of the community to go out and have those conversations. And I think he's not held to a higher standard. I think he might be involved in higher level meetings than what you would see on the PlayStation blog. Not that I have any idea what Sid's into or what Ryan's into or meetings that way. But I do think for them to go out and make a comment on the PlayStation blog, even if it is trying to clear up a release date, it is that they have to talk to somebody who has to talk to somebody who has to talk to somebody. Right. Yeah, no, I think the I think PlayStation blog is a great resource for things that are PR approved. Yeah. Um, and kind of disseminating information. Um, but their inability to be negative or critical of anything that Sony does means that you can really only take everything they do with a grain of salt. And I truly believe that. I mean, those are my friends, but like, I don't need more PR in my life. I need less PR yeah. in my life. <clears throat> to have someone forward facing with from Sony, someone they paid, an evangelist, that was able to say what he needed to say, that was able to say, like, I would love that. Now, is it, is it, is it you know, Major Nelson wouldn't do this, but I would take it even a step further. They'd be like, just let this guy off the reins. If the order is not a good game, let him say it. You know, like, if, if, no Man's Sky is really blundering, then like let him say it. it. That really engenders a lot of trust with with the audience about things they already know anyway. The fact that you pretend like the order isn't bad or is is a great game, let's say, mm. is weird to the audience because they know it's not true. You know, like and But my and, argument would be like, do they? Because I mean to, Yes. I mean, they don't talk about the order. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing is like it's I think the PlayStation blog does the thing where I'm not don't get me wrong. I'm with you. Of course, it's a they're a corporate approved channel of PlayStation stuff. They go through and help other people put up posts. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but those posts are never going to be that. Our last game wasn't that good, but here's this new sequel we're doing da da da. But they do do a podcast and they go through and they do talk about the things they like, but they they don't talk about things they dislike because obviously that stirs the pot and causes trouble. But I don't think I'm seeing anything from them that's like, man, the order was five stars amazing on every level. I've never seen any of them say something. I'm not saying that that they say that at all, but I'm saying, yeah, is you know. It would be cool for for you know to, to just let it go in the wind and just be like we're, these people represent us and they're going to give you their gamers and they give you honest opinions on our games and you could take their you know th- they have subjective opinions just like anyone else and they don't necessarily we don't necessarily endorse what they say but sure. we put them out into the wild in order to clear up confusion like they were saying Major Nelson does or to kind of uh, evangelize games they like or point towards games that they like and steer people away from games that they think might not be worth anyone's time or whatever and I feel like. That's why PlayStation Blog and the PlayStation Blogcast, while they're useful and they're run by our friends, are, are only so useful. You know, like they're because you can't. It's like if we worked at Sony, you wouldn't really be able to trust what we were saying. Sure. You know, like and that's just the way it is. So, um, 
since you can't really mitigate those issues and since that's on my expectations of what that role would be is super unrealistic and, and maybe even scary for a corporation. Oh my God. No, um, I mean, what you're talking about is so antithetical to what a Japanese structure would be. What would at least be cool is to have someone like that, that yeah, does jump into the comments that does acknowledge things that doesn't ignore problems that, you know, with this no man's sky thing, like that would be an interesting thing for them to be like, let's go really tackle this head on. Let's go to hello games and let's figure out the fuck happened so we can talk instead of pretending like nothing happened at all. Yeah. Um, I like the, I like the idea of that, and I do think that Microsoft is better at that. I think that's so obvious, you know. Um, and I think part of that comes from being an American company from the ground floor, right? I think that that communication comes from it. That there, I would assume, I'm an outsider on this world. Less things, less hurdles. You know, he's able to do that. And when everyone's in the every the leadership is in the same time zone, it's easy to sit there and say this. It's easy to you assume walk around the Microsoft campus and get the answer for what's actually happening. So well, we have to, yeah, we have to. These are, are ever adapting kind of things. I think Microsoft's been kind of ahead of, of Sony in that regard. But man, wouldn't it be cool to just have total transparency and total honesty? I would really love that. From That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will never happen. But no, of course not. Anywhere. It would be pretty cool. Amir Khorasani writes in with the final question from kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and says, I've noticed that in a lot of games, there are definitive markings for scaling and ledge jumping that show the player the surface that can be climbed. For instance, in The Division, there were blue tarps that marked scalability. In the order, ledges with white appeared to be paint drippings that denoted you could climb there. The last of us, yellow bars and the ability to climb in that surface. Do these markings exist as a service to the player to show direction or do they have to do with development? Do devs need to add climb ability in these places so they don't forget where to program it? It's such a common theme in games with climbing mechanisms. I want to hear what people closer to gaming think. It's not what we think. We know they're there for you. They're there for you, the player, to understand what you can and can't do in the world. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the th- my favorite things you've ever said, right, is how when you start Mario Brothers, everything in that first five seconds teaches you everything you need to know about the game. You start it, you run into the Goomba, you're dead. Okay, I have to hop over the Goomba. Oh, I can hop on the Goomba. Oh, I can hit this. Qu-. You start learning all these different things, and that game's so simple. When you get into a game like The Last of Us, that is this giant world full of interactable things. You have to figure out how you train a player that and how you make it manageable so they understand at a glance what they can and can't do. And that's why you find a yellow railing and you understand, oh, that's something I can get over. Yeah, and I think a lot of this comes out of QAing as well. I think, uh, and really focus testing more than that. There's a part of The Last of Us particularly that I think is remarkably overt and trying to tell you what it is to do. And I do feel like this was probably added late. And it's it's when you're running away, spoilers, I mean, last you, you should play you the last one. You should have played the last one. Uh, when you're running with uh, with um, Joel's daughter um, right before she gets shot. Mm, mm. Um, and they're like walking, they're running through the streets and then they're running into like the, the, the grass or like into this wooded kind of like uh, decline. And there's like a yellow ribbon that's like, that's like flapping in the wind trying to denote like there's a hole in this barrier you can go through. But then there's a spotlight lit on and I'm like, I remember seeing that and being like, I feel like that's added like later. Like why would people you make blowing it past so obvious, ribbon. you know, unless, yeah, people didn't know what to do because it's a time sequence. So yeah, these things exist not for them. They know what they know what they're doing when they're making the game. It's 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 for you. And it's it's very it's a little strange to see that sometimes like it's like, oh, this yellow bar means I can jump on it. Like, but it's you'll be frustrated if it's not there. So you kind of have to take one with the other. Colin, are you ready to meet your new best friend? 
Yes. This is P.S. I love this best friend XOXO. It's where one of you beautiful people goes to kindoffunny.com slash forums and gives us your PSN name. So the rest of the Kind of Funny community sends you friend requests and sweet messages. This one comes from Damien. Damien says, I'm feeling pretty shitty recently. Just started real life after college and it is hard. I'd love to have some capable dudes or dudettes to play with online. None of my friends seem to play online anymore. I love Uncharted and would get back into GTA online if I could get a good group. But... I play tons of different games. My PSN is Da Moffitt, all one word, D-A-M-O-F-F-I-T-T, and I'd love to add some best friends. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know what to do. Hit up Da Moffitt on PSN. Make some friends. Play some games. Get back into GTA Online. Colin? Yes. This week's forgotten PlayStation game comes from Surter. Surter. Then he signs Wayne. People pick really bad usernames and then have really common names. It's confusing. Hey, Colin and Greg, I have a suggestion for forgotten PlayStation game of the week. Blood Rain Betrayal on the PS3. It's a great game. You like that. You reviewed it, right? Mm -hmm. Reviews were polarized. During his time at IGN, Colin gave it a glowing review with 910, while Jim Sterling gave it a 2 out of 10 and listed listed it as number 5 on his top 10 worst games of 2011. I discovered while browsing my PSN during Christmas that year, and after sampling the demo, it was an instant purchase. Sadly, due to low sales, the sequel, Blood Rain the Shroud, was canceled. Also... No, he wants a PSN thing. You, you're double dipping. I don't like it one bit. Well, that's Wayne. You, you liked it. I remember Blood Rain. It was like a Castlevania, right? Yeah. I, I My feeling is that Blood Rain was, the portrayal specifically was supposed to be a Castlevania game. Um, uh, that, they didn't get the license? Yeah, and that's how, and that's how Castlevania that. was. Way Forward, I think, made it. Could yeah. be wrong about that. Good folks. But yeah. uh, it was awesome. I, too, I, can't, I can't believe Jim gave it a 2 out of 10. I don't understand what, what possibly could have driven him to give it a 2. Um but yeah, I thought it was a gruelingly difficult, really clever, beautiful, fluid 2D platformer um, side scroller. And I think that folks would really, really dig it if they if they have their PlayStation. You should check it out, especially if you're into those kinds of games. Next up is PSN's worst name of the week. This, of course, is because Shuhei Yoshida refuses to let you change your PSN name even after all these years. So you set writing with your bad PSN name. We read it aloud. And then Shuhei cries in a corner in Japan. Uh, first, though. We have a little update from Jericho. You know Jericho. He runs the forums over there. He keeps track of all the PSN stuff for us. He says, hello. And he says all this crazy German stuff, but he's saying hi to us. Colin asked for a list of the worst PSN names of the week. 1,462 fans voted for the first three quarters of the PS I Love You year, which I decided to be the first 52 episodes, which is not a real year, though, because you guys can't give a flying fuck about how mathematics work. Winners for the first three quarters are, so he went through every episode. Put all the names there. People voted. Q1's winner, not gay, but five dollars is five dollars. It's from episode thirteen. One with thirty-five point four percent of the vote. Quarter two, come honor chest underscore. Episode fourteen, eighteen point seven percent of the vote. And quarter three, don't shoot. I'm gay. Episode thirty-four, thirty-three point nine percent of the vote. So that's all the quarters. The 52 episodes have been recorded. The poll for the last quarter starts right now. And he puts in a link that you can go get, of course, at kindoffunny.com slash. Some good winners. Forums. Yeah, really. Jericho, thank you for your work. Now, here comes Almighty. This is Almighty with his bad name. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Was told on Twitter that this would be the perfect place to share this. When PlayStation 4 came out, me and my best friends decided to make the transition from Xbox. As I was creating my PSN, I decided to dick around and typed Bukaki Sensei just to check and see if it would stop me. Nope. Unfortunately, not only did it immediately confirm it as my PSN name, I discovered that to my horror, PSN doesn't allow one to change their name. Worse, I'm not sure if the site was glitchy during this period or 
It just wasn't something that, or it just wasn't something they allowed you to do either. I can't really remember, but it wouldn't even let me change my email associated with the account. Not wanting to miss any more game time with my friends, as Christmas was already out by the time I got my PlayStation 4, I decided just to enter my PSN Plus on the account, or PlayStation Plus on the account. Eventually, I was caught and banned, forced to change my name and lose my trophies. I wasn't too mad at having to change my PSN, as it was actually, you know, really relieving not to be called that anymore, but losing my trophy score was a hard blow, especially since the first time I played the last of us, I played it on Grounded and got both the Grounded and Grounded Plus trophies. In short, I believe I have a bad PSN name with Bukaki Sensei. Signed, all my great name. That's a really good one. Yeah. Now we we have to give a word of caution because I of course want you to go to kindoffunny.com slash forums. Give us your bad PSN names. But we read that anime tit lover uh, PSN name twice, I think, and because we we don't talk when one of us isn't on the show. And it turned out, of course, he immediately got banned. So he came back to the forums like, oh, I got banned. Thanks a lot for putting me on your show. Well, no, fuck you, man. Like you, you, you roll the dice. You're rolling the fucking dice. Giving a bad PSN name. Is someone going to report you? Maybe that's not on me. That's on you. You, you know what you're doing? When you're coming out here being Anime like, tit lover. Anime tit lover. That was a great name. I'm sad to see you get banned for that one. Ah, this bad PSN name was brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. Are you hiring? Do you know? Where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, all you need to do is post your job on the top job sites. It's no big deal. Now you can do it with ZipRecruiter.com. You can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social medias like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post one and watch your qualified candidates roll in to Zip Recruiters early an easy interface. No juggling emails to call your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, hire them, and get the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used over or has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, listeners of this show can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ziprecruiter.com slash love you. Slash love you. Love you. Build it beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been PSI Love You XOXO episode 53. Thank you so much for this ride. Remember, PSI Love You XOXO is kindoffunny.com's PlayStation podcast. It posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. And it's the number one PlayStation podcast because of your support. So please rate us on iTunes. Share us with your friends. Subscribe to both YouTube channels. Watch all the other shows. Go see Love and Sex Stuff. If you see Kevin on the street, whip cupcakes at his face as hard as you can. Just whip him in there. Get that motherfucker. Get him. Every episode of PSI Love You XOXO ends in a song in a segment we call Singing to Shuhei. This is where one of you talented motherfuckers goes to kindoffunny.com slash PSM and submits your song. I need an MP3 link to play at the end of our MP3 and a YouTube link to annotate at the end of our YouTube video. Today, we get one from the legendary Zoltan. Legendary Zoltan says, Hello, Greg and Colin. I love you guys and your show. I've listened to a lot of gaming podcasts and I can honestly say this is one of the best because of how well you both speak and the combination of your personalities. My name is the legendary Zoltan, and I want to know, aren't you tired of all these songs that have nothing to do with PlayStation? Who cares if someone is releasing their second pop slash punk slash rock slash dubstep slash poop deck slash house slash garage slash cardboard box slash fusion album? I'm bringing you pure Final Fantasy Tactics Death Metal. It's not a remix. It's original. And it's the only FF Tactics Death Metal song in the entire world. I just present it to you and the entire PSI Love You XOXO community for your listening pleasure. If you like this, then you ought to love my upcoming Valkyrie profile. (laughs) 
death metal album. If you want to follow what I do, don't worry about using social media. Just remember the name, the legendary Zoltan, and I'm sure you will find the album when it's released. Thank you. Love the legendary Zoltan. That's a bold email for multiple reasons, but the bigger one is that he's calling out. He's calling shots. Yeah. So this better be fucking good. This better be good, legendary Zoltan. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, it's been our pleasure to serve you.
Jedi.